Well, I want to greet those online uh, this morning and to tell you, you still have time to come to our outdoor service this morning. Second service today, 1045, we're going to be outside and um, we're going to be feeding lunch afterwards, so you people here are missing out. Uh, sorry, we have coffee for you, but no lunch. But online, love to see you, and I'm greeting the campuses that are joining here today as well. Well, we are in a, a fall series on habits of grace, and we are talking about how do we place ourselves in the channel, the river of daily grace, and how do we deepen our walk with God by doing that? And our definition of uh, these habits of grace is God's ordained channels of his transforming power into our lives to grow our character into the likeness of Christ. And we've talked about how these are God's ideas. These are not, uh, these are not our ideas. If it was our idea, we would, we would want uh, you know, sleeping in or eating donuts or something like that to be the way that God changes us into the likeness of Christ. But by God's good design, it is these means of grace, indeed disciplines of grace, that God uses in our life. And we either access those to our benefit spiritually, or we don't to our detriment spiritually. And we took a look last week at Colossians 3.16. We're talking about the role of the word of God, and there's so many verses that we could go to with this because this is a repeated urging in Scripture. But we went to uh, Colossians 3.16, and here is what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now I'm gonna give our tech team a little heads up. There's supposed to be a cup and some tea up here to help me make it. And uh, I'm going to ask also, Foster, would you bring up the cups that are over there on my, my little chair? Because I also forgot to bring those up with me. Just dawned on me. Uh, but we focused on let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ, we talked about how this could be either um, the words about Christ. It could be the gospel. Thank you very much. Uh, although I'm missing one. I think there's still one over there. No? Okay. I'll put those out there for now. Got it? Yes, thank you. There's three of them. Thank you. I'm going to need that here in a little bit. So it could be words about Christ, which would be essentially the gospel. It could be uh, the, the, the word, the written word of Christ, even though when Paul wrote it, it would not have, the New Testament at least would not have been done. But most likely, it includes all of these things. Because the Bible is the word of Christ. The gospel is the word about Christ. And so we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And we talked about that word dwell. Uh, it is the word house, right? Like living with you. We talked about the difference between visiting and living. Again, thank you. All right, appreciate that. Getting lots of help here today. we got a wonderful team. Uh, and that... A lot of people have a visiting relationship with the Word of God. Like if, if this is the only time you hear the Bible is on Sunday, then you have a visiting relationship with the Bible. The goal is to have a dwelling relationship with the Word of Christ. Let it dwell richly within you. So uh, we talked last week, and I had this illustration last week, and I want to do it again. 
because I'm going to, uh, we're going to get very practical this week about how we do this. Last Sunday was the exposition of Colossians 3.16, and today we're going to talk more about the, uh, the application of this verse. And we talked about how letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly is much like making tea. And when you put that tea bag into uh, the glass and you just let it sit, you got to agitate a little bit, but you just let that sit and it permeates the rest of the cup. Okay? So this is, this is not super complicated, but I think it's a very good visual of what we are to be doing with the Bible is to let it dwell in us richly, to place it within our consciousness, within our minds, within our life, and uh, to do it. So I hope this is an illustration that sticks. As I preach, it's going to keep getting darker and darker, and that's part of the point of this. Uh, But I want to draw on this analogy in a practical way. There are three basic steps to making tea, and coffee, by the way. I am not a tea expert, I'm going to just admit. This, is, this might be the only tea I make all year, is here in this illustration. I am much more of a coffee person. But it could go either way, because the steps are basically the same. So to make tea, you have to heat it and stir it. You have to drink it, and then you savor it. Coffee the same. In fact, I, I'm, it's easier for me to think about savoring coffee than it is savoring tea because I savor coffee every single day. I love it, and I drink it, and I make it, and it's the same kind of process. you got to heat it up, right? you got to heat it up, and some people heat it in their coffee maker. Other people pour over, whatever it is. got to heat it up. You, of course, uh, have to uh, make preparations for that, and then you have to drink it. I don't need to explain that, I trust, okay? So drinking is taking something that is outside of you and putting it inside of you. That's the basic process of, of, of drinking. The Lord's Supper draws on that analogy as well, where we, we take those elements and we place them within our, we're taking something outside of us and we're putting it inside of us. I am make it, making it my own. And then we savor it, and savoring is that process of remembering in a kind of delectable way, a sensory, savory way, remembering what that taste was and why I liked it so much. So hopefully you're familiar with that. I hope we have a fully caffeinated first service here, ready to roll. And you might be saying, yes, I do that every single day. And that is the point as well. You do it every day. And similarly, when it comes to Scripture, the more that we can saturate our hearts and minds with the tea of the Bible, the coffee of the Bible, the more it is going to permeate and change who I am into the character and likeness of Christ. And that's the goal, okay? The Word of God, a very important part of this. Now, again, this is a message of practicality, okay? Not a ton of exposition here today. And even as I talk about doing this, I know that we have people within our church who have a a more exemplary daily discipline and walk with God than I do. And I would love to be sitting where you are and to hear you share some of the ways that God has brought this about in your own life, and you would do it better than I am. But I'm, this is my job, okay, so they gave me the pulpit, you're going to hear from me, even though I know a lot of you would have a ton of great things to share. So as we get into this, I I would say, first of all, 
that it has to be a priority. And therefore, you have to have a plan for this. Or the tyranny of the urgent is always going to crowd out these spiritual disciplines, in particular, prayer and the reading of the Bible. Have you noticed this? Like you might think to yourself, you know, like I, I'm going to read my Bible today, and then all of a sudden, you come, something comes to your mind that you need to do, and as you weigh those options, which one goes? Oftentimes, it's the prayer time, it's the Bible time, because i got to go take care of this other thing. You have to have a plan. And this is one of the things that I've noticed about coffee and tea people is they always plan ahead. There is nothing worse than getting in the morning to your little coffee bar or whatever you have and realizing you're out of beans or you don't have the creamer that you like or you don't have the sweetener that you want. And you just sit there and, and, and it's, a, it's a terrifying thing, isn't it, to not have what you need. And similarly, when it comes to the rhythm of God's word in your life, if you don't have a plan, it's probably not going to happen. To purpose intentionally prior to the day that I'm going to make this an important part of, of tomorrow. Much again, like you do with your coffee and your tea. Like if you thought that you were out of beans or out of coffee, you would probably go to the store because you don't want to have that moment in the morning. Similarly, to have a plan is critical or it will easily be set aside. So can I ask you, what is your plan? Some of you have been Christians for many years. What's your plan? If all of a sudden I said, hey, Frank, why don't you come up here right now and you share what you do, what would you say to everybody here? Do you have a plan? And if you don't have a plan, uh, I would encourage you, this is the first step, to think about how can I intentionally make this a part of my life? I personally am a big fan of uh, mornings of having time with God, some time in his word and some time in prayer because what I read at night, I don't remember and when I pray at night, I go to sleep, okay? My prayers are like, now I lay me down to, you know. So I can't do it at night. Some of you can, everyone's got their own rhythm, but give God the best time of your day. Think about your kind of body rhythm and engage with God in the best part of your of your day. That's my first encouragement. And again, to have a plan. If you let circumstances dictate this sort of thing, all of a sudden a day becomes a week and a week becomes a month, and all of a sudden you would never say the word of Christ is dwelling in me richly, right? It requires you to think about it. So what's your plan? When will you drink your biblical tea or coffee? When is that going to happen? Think about it. And even think about a spot. I have a spot at home that I do this. And at that spot, I've got a good reading lamp, I've got some highlighters, I've got my, my, my Bible, and like I just go into that spot, I got everything, it's like my coffee bar, okay? It's my, it's my, my Bible reading bar, in the positive sense of that term. Uh, and I would encourage you to do that as well. Just have a spot and have it all ready to go because it's one less thing to give you an excuse not to do it in the morning when the circumstances take over, okay? Now, with that said, what should I do? What should I do when I want to engage the Bible on a daily basis? And I'm gonna draw on my, my, uh, my tea analogy here with the basic things that you have to do. You have to heat it and stir it, you have to drink it, and then you savor it. Okay? Heat and stir, drink, savor. That's a basic paradigm for time in God's word. 
So let's start with heat and stir. I, I told the story last week from uh, Jerry Bridges' book where he was working with college students, and there was this college student who was very diligent with his time in the Word, and they asked him, why are you so diligent with doing that? And he said, because I don't want anything bad to happen to me. And we talked about how easy it is to turn what we're talking about here into a kind of performance-based relationship with God, where if I pray and read my Bible, I can expect good things to happen to me today, and if I don't, then I'm going to be under the punishment of God. Or to turn it a little bit more into a kind of like checklist, where I've got to check it off, and my goal is to, is to check it off. Both of those, and a number of other approaches that people do, I would encourage you to try not to do, because the goal of time with God in his word is to stir up my affections for God in my heart. Reading the Bible is not the goal. Praying is not the goal. It is my heart, and it is my worship to God, and love and affection for God. That is the goal, and these are the means to doing that, okay? That's why I can't check it off if I read the Bible, but my heart is cold when I leave it. I really have not done much good for my soul at all. But to engage in God's word and to see it as a means by which the Holy Spirit in my soul stirs up these kinds of warming affections for God. And that is the primary purpose of doing it. It's how we uh, become more intimate in our relationship with God. So the purpose is, is, is also not just knowledge, Okay? Now, we're all for teaching here, and it's very important to have a solid knowledge of God's word. But again, the goal is not simply that I might fill my mind with facts about God or truths from the Bible, even though those are all great. The primary aim is my heart. And here's what the, the Bible essentially says, is that the Bible is kind of like a microwave, okay? A microwave. When I engage in God's word, there is, because this is the living and active word of God, there is something that happens in my heart, like a microwave, where my affections for God are stirred and warmed by exposure to what God says in his word. And the reason this is critical is that we are all naturally cold-blooded. We have a sin nature. And I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, my sin nature is dominant, right? I'm hungry. I want to eat something. Uh, what's going on in the day, etc. I wake up generally, and I'm a morning person, okay? So if you're not a morning person, you wake up in the flesh automatically. You're grouchy about even having to get out of bed probably. I'm a morning person, but my, my affections in the morning are flat towards God, and what I need in every morning is I need to warm those affections up. Because if I don't, guess what happens when I face temptation that day? Or what, what happens when uh, somebody annoys me that day? How easy it is in the flesh, when my affections and my spirit are not warmed up uh, towards God, for me to respond in the flesh in those moments. And then afterwards I'm like, oh, why did that happen? Well, one reason is, that my affections for God and my desire to obey him and my love for God have not been stirred up to a point 
where I can, it overwhelms the fleshly desires that I naturally have. So I need my heart warmed on a daily basis to the glory of God, to the gospel that I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior, to the, to the grand story that I am a part of that, that God is doing in this world and creation and fall, redemption and final consummation, to, to, to look at my day and my to-do list through the lens of what God's word says is actually important, to renew my mind with what the Bible says so that I can think about my day and think about the matters of my day in a biblical way, because I've got this flesh that is inside of me and it wants to destroy God's good work in my life. And that is true for you too. It's not just the pastor of the church. It is true for every single Christian. We have this enemy within us. And in order to defeat the enemy, my affections for God have got to be strong. How do I make it strong? The microwave of God's word. Now there's other means, it's not just the Bible, but, there, but certainly the Bible is one of the main means by which God helps us love him and live for him. And we need that on a, on a daily basis. Here's what the Bible says about itself. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And we're for all those things. But notice what the net effect of it is. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When I walk out of my house in the morning, I need to be ready for the onslaught of the day. Because I am easy pickings for the world, the flesh, and the devil when my heart is cold towards the things of God. And so the word of God heats us up. In fact, I would encourage you, one of the things that's been a blessing in my own life is in my morning prayer time, often I will pray, God, stir up my affections for you this morning. I feel flat, I feel cold, I feel you know, selfish and, and all of that. I, I need the grand glory of God and a vision for that, again, afresh today. Won't you please help me? And it's not, just, it's not just a platitude we say, but if that is in your heart, I find just praying that has a way of stirring up my affections for, for God uh, itself. Ask him to renew your love for him and your neighbor. And then as you begin to think about God as you read, tell your soul things. Okay, this is the Puritan practice of preaching to your own soul. Tell your soul things like if, if, you, you, know, if you read about uh, you know, creation in Genesis, say, isn't that wonderful, the power of God? Like try to say that to yourself. Oh, oh God, you are, you are, it's pray and engage in the word. These are all things that begin to stir our affections. So I want you to hear it loud and clear. Otherwise, you're gonna become Pharisees with this. The goal is affection and love for God. It is not checking off a reading. It is not a to-do thing so I can view myself as being spiritual. It's nothing that props me up. I do this because I need my heart to love God today. And God's word heats and warms me towards doing that. Are you with me? Okay. So heat and stir. Step number one. We're doing this for the right reasons. Next, what do we do? We drink. 
Okay? We drink. And when it comes to the Bible, drinking the Bible involves reading it, hearing it, and learning from it. Reading it, hearing it, and learning from it. Again, drinking, like the Lord's Supper, is taking something outside of me and placing it inside of me. And reading the Bible is taking the powerful truth of God's word, which is outside of me, and placing it inside of me. Now our habit, our, our, our focus here are habits of daily grace, um, and, and, and I'm gonna get into that, but I just wanna note that we live in, a, in an amazing moment in the history of Christianity. There has never been a time where it has been easier to have access to outstanding resources, biblical resources and teaching resources than we have today. Do you realize you are, you and I both are unbelievably privileged to have the kind of access to God's word, not just, I mean, not just teaching, but actually God's word, as we noted last week. You may have more translations of the Bible on your phone than any Christian in the last 1900 years. To think of the access we have it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's, there's apps uh, uh, like YouVerse where you just push a button and it, it'll just, you know, it'll read it out loud. for You don't even have to read it. Are we lazy? I mean, think about this. I don't even have to read the Bible. Somebody reads it for me, you know. And uh, that's the day that we, that we live in. And I would encourage you to make the most of all of this access that we have to God's word. Some encouragements along that line. Uh, why listen to drivel and silly uh, teachings when we have access on our phones, on our computers, tablets, or whatever it is, at any minute to wonderful teaching ministries like Desiring God, or Nine Marks, or the Gospel Coalition, or can I say it, The Journey. Many of you maybe aren't even familiar with The Journey. The Journey is the media ministry of our church. We're on Moody Radio, but we also have um, an app, and we have podcasts that are daily put out. I would encourage you to download the app for The Journey. Uh, and the podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts, almost any platform you could pick for podcasts, The Journey is on it. And uh, as a side note, we recently were talking with a media specialist, and we were surprised when the specialist informed us that The Journey podcast is the number 15 pastor podcast in the country. That's how we felt, too. We were like, What? And I don't even think we've ever mentioned it to our church family, much less, you know, out whoever's getting on it and listening to it. But take advantage of it, okay? You know, Bethel Church puts out weekly blogs and writings and materials and teachings and video resources. Make the most of them. We have a bookstore here, and one of the reasons it's small, we, we, we lose money on that, okay? That is not a money-making venture for us that's back there. The only reason we have it is... If you go to Amazon Books and you think, oh, I want a book on this or I want a book on that, how do you know if this is like biblical and good or not? We have that out there as a trusted resource. At least you can say, well, my church thinks that this is pretty good, so maybe I should read this versus you know, something with five stars on Amazon. 
and you get it in some Mormon book or something. You have no idea what you're reading. So we have those resources there for a reason. Make the most of it. But our focus today is the Bible, okay, the Bible. How do we do this on a daily basis? How do we drink it daily? And so I'm going to uh, uh, describe this in a familiar, uh, what I think is a familiar language probably to most of us, as tall, grande, and venti, okay? Tall, grande, and venti. And all of us are at either the stage of tall or grande or venti. And my goal here is if you're at tall, to push you to a more substantial drink like a grande. And if you're here at a grande, I don't want you to sort of rest on your laurels, but to push you perhaps to to a venti experience with God's word. So we're going to start with tall, okay, tall. We celebrate that everybody starts somewhere. And I know that as I talk about this, no doubt there are some of people here who honestly, there is zero going on in this category in your life, okay? And I want you to know we all start somewhere. And this series is about equipping, not judging, but encouraging. And if that's you, here is a great time in your spiritual life to start to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And this is what I'm representing by the tall cup. Uh, And my suggestion for you to just get going, I'm gonna borrow from my mentor in ministry, a guy named Kimber Kaufman, who developed this uh, Bible reading plan called CADVAD. Say that with me, CADVAD. Isn't that a blessing? You're like, is that a Greek word? No, it stands for chapter a day, verse a day. Chapter a day, verse a day. This is a great get going with God's word approach. So what it means is, is that in the morning, you go to your little you know, Bible bar, and uh, you get your little highlighter out, and you read one chapter. And if it's short, maybe you read it a second time or a third time, but just one chapter. And as you read the chapter, you are looking for a verse that is going to be your verse of the day. Okay? So it's chapter a day, verse a day. And as you're reading, maybe you you put a little highlight next to the one that you're thinking about, and maybe there's two or three, and you pick the one that is going to be your verse of the day. If you would like some help with this, here's another amazing resource we live with with these days. We have study Bibles, and we we sell the ESV study Bible here as a recommended resource, but there's other really good study Bibles. And a study Bible has little notes in the bottom, because there's, let's be honest, there's a lot in the Bible where you read and you're like, I have no idea what that's talking about. This is totally confusing to me. And you can get discouraged, and you can think, I'm going to quit. But if you have a study Bible, it's like having a a little Bible scholar sitting on your shoulder and you go, what does that mean? And he goes, it means this. Uh, Because the note tells you a little description and explanation. So maybe pick up a a study Bible. I think there's probably study Bible apps that you can just have. And if you ever have questions, just take a look at it. One scholar offers a very helpful summary of what to assess as you read. What did it mean? What does it mean? Okay? 
What did it mean when the author wrote it? That's the foundational interpretation. What does it mean for me today? Okay, very simple. Just kind of have that grid as you're reading it. And again, verse a day. You're looking for a verse that's going to be that thought for you on that day. And once you pick it, I would encourage you to write it down or type it in your phone in the notifications. Something, a little sticky note, whatever it might be, and put it somewhere where during the day you're going to kind of be forced to think about it again. Or it will remind you of what that truth what that truth is for the day. Maybe put it in your pocket. I found if it's in my pocket, you know, during the day, I'm kind of like, okay, how, oh, yeah, I got that. Oh, yeah, that's the verse, you know. It's kind of a helpful thing. But you want something that keeps you from being that guy in James who, with God's word, looks in the mirror and walks away and doesn't remember what he looks like. And let's, again, all be honest. How easy it is to read something in the Bible, and if three minutes later I called you and said, what did you read today and what did it mean to you? You'd be like, I can't remember, right? Some of you are going to leave this service today, and if I caught you in the parking lot and said, what was my sermon about? You'd be like, I can't remember. Reminds me of the old golf joke, you know, the two old guys that get put together on the tee, and you know, the, the, the one guy says, hey, I can hit it a long ways, but my eyes are bad, and I can't see where it goes. And the other guy says, I got good eyes. So he goes, okay, we're a good pair. So the guy rears back, hits a long drive, and, uh, and he says, did you see it? Did you see it? And the other guy says, I saw it. He goes, where is it? He goes, I can't remember. <laughs> the I can't remember with the Bible keeps it from dwelling richly in us, Okay. It's not dwelling richly in us if it's no longer even something we can pull up. And so any little help like that, maybe you have a better idea, but something that would allow in that day that truth to dwell in you. This is the goal. It's a good way to get started, okay? So that's tall. That's tall. That's the first step. Let's talk about grande now. Maybe you're gra- you, you want to graduate from this to this. Grande is increasing your exposure to God's word in your life combined with community with somebody else about it, okay? So it's, it's the truth of God's word with other Christians and that truth in community with one another. So Grande, for example, would be uh, uh, reading through the Bible in a year plan. And there, I would encourage, I think every Christian should read every word that God has revealed to us at some point in their life. Don't you? Like, do you really want to go to heaven and God say, hey, what would you think about what I said? And you go, I never read it. I was always too busy with Facebook. Uh, I could never get around to doing that. I think you should read every word that God revealed to us. It is all inspired by him. Okay, so maybe that could be a, a grande goal for, for some of you to say, I would, I'm going to do that. I'm going to read through the whole Bible. I'm presently doing that uh, right now. I'm not on a, like, through the Bible in a year. I'm going a little bit slower. I'm in Job right now. And, you know, Job was famous for his patience. And, frankly, reading Job requires patience as well. And there are other books of the Bible where, I mean, you get, you get an Ezekiel, and, you know, you're going to, it's, it's going to be itself a discipline to get through Ezekiel uh, and other books like that. But it's all there for our good. It is all inspired. You can read through the Bible in a year by reading three chapters a day. Does that sound crazy? 
Three chapters a day, we'll do it. It takes around 70 hours to read the, the whole Bible, roughly. One author points out that the average American spends in one month 70 hours watching television. So, you're like, I don't know how I can do this. How about in the month of October? You say, no TV for me, I'm just gonna read the Bible. Do you realize by the end of October you have read every revealed word that God has given to us? That doesn't sound that crazy, does it? 15 minutes a day will get you through the Bible in a year. Again, as you read it, it's not like, you know, speed reading this. The goal is not to get through the reading. The goal is to stir my affections for God. But grande requires a little bit more time in God's word. Grande also includes drinking the Bible with other people. Okay? And this is also, this is a big tip. Okay? Here's a big tip for you. One of the ways that God's word dwells in us and kind of is affecting to us is when we have conversations with other people about what I've been learning and what, what you're learning or maybe about the text itself. There is something about the community together that has a way. You've probably noticed, if you've ever been a part of a men's group or you know, a women's Bible study or some other thing, the accountability of being in that group and then the conversation about it within the group has a way of making that truth more like in your soul than if it was just you and God and the Bible in the morning and you never told anybody anything. So I would encourage you, if you want to go grande, don't just read the Bible, talk about it. Have somebody or a group in your life that you're sharing what you are what you are learning. This could be, again, a small group here at Bethel Church. It could be a Bible study group. It could be just an accountability partner of some kind. But somewhere in the discussion, and I would love to see this more in our church, somewhere in the discussion, talk about what God has been teaching you. Or ask the other person, hey, what have you been reading? What's the best thing you've read in the Bible in the last like three months, and, and what tip would you give me for it? Like, let's work this into the culture of our congregation where we're talking about the Bible. So I'm encouraging you to drink the Bible with others. Drink the Bible with others. Maybe this could be Bethelonian language. Okay, somebody asked you, what'd you do Friday night? I went out drinking with friends. Really, what did you have? Lamentations mixed with a little First Thessalonians. Cool. Awesome Friday night. Out drinking the Bible with friends. Okay, so that's grande. Let's talk venti a moment. Okay, maybe you're grande and you're like, I want to go to the next level with this. What would venti look like? And I like David Mathis's analogy of the Bible, that there are there's various approaches with the Bible. You have the rake the leaf approach, okay? I'm raking leaves. And what do you get when you rake leaves? You get everything that's kind of on the surface, don't you? The, the kind of light surfacey stuff. And you can get that with the Bible, okay? You can rake, and there's a part of that that's good, okay? But if you want to get diamonds, where do you got to go? You got to go deep, don't you? You got to dig down to get the diamonds. And venti is more about the diamonds. If you want to go to another level, now you're in more serious Bible study. Like what? Well, here are some options. You might think about taking our leadership development class called Barnabas. 
more in-depth teaching, more theology. You could read your Bible and you could add a very quality um, commentary that you are reading the Bible and you're reading the commentary together. The Tyndale series is a great sort of entry-level commentary series. Maybe you could ask for that for Christmas this year and it might change your life. You could take a book of the Bible 